Hello there, ringside crew. Hello there, ringside crew. Hey, dudes at ringside crew. This is Davian. Hey, it's Jenny Santana. This is Elsie. This is the savage juggernaut, Tamaku. Ringside. Ring. This is Thomas D. Bruff. This is Billy Sarks. Mr. Chad Epic. Megan Mason. Hey everybody, Scotland's on Brody Adler. The headline in charge, Marco Mania. This is your girl, Charisma. Papa Dink, Brendan Dinker. This is according to Woods. Savannah Summers. I'm Shorty. Transport inside. Where you are watching the internationally known. It's at Ringside Podcast, hosted by Metal Geek and Joe the Panther Jr. Good morning there, Ringside Crew. And welcome to another episode of the internationally known Dudes at Ringside podcast. I am your host, Joe the Panther the Third. And now from a very sleepy, might I add, zombie-like mosh pit, it's the happy heel himself, the Metal Geek. Yeah, what's going on, Ringside crew? What's going on, internationally known? What's going on, Joe? How's it going? Have my coffee this morning. We're all ready to go. We're all ready to rock. So you want to introduce the guest, Joe? Oh, my gosh. What Live right now with us from AAA Wrestling. It's the one, the only. Let's give a warm dudes at Ringside welcome to Sam Adonis. Hello, hello. What's going on, everybody? What's going on? Sam, welcome, welcome. It's an honor to have you. I'm coming live live from Birmingham, Alabama. I had two shows yesterday at a Hispanic Heritage Festival, and it was about 95 degrees out, so I I was super tired. Slept through my alarm. It was supposed to come an hour ago. Um, And last night, I was solicited to be a prostitute, which was kind of cool. Walking to the gas station, uh, some people were honking the horn and like, hey, 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 come on. Come out of the gas station. He's waiting for me in the parking lot. Hey, hey, how are you? Come on, come on. Walking back to the hotel. Come on, come on, let's go. And I said, no, no I'm good. So I, I kind of feel pretty good about that. Like, I mean, I don't know if maybe I'm just like wrong place, wrong time. But I mean, at least he asked. He was interested. So yeah. I'm cool. Birmingham's a good way. That's something that probably doesn't probably doesn't happen to you often when you're going to like wrestling events in a hotel, I guess. Well, I mean, I, I get solicited for a lot of things, but usually it's not involved in being paid for sex. So that's that was the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> when, when is Alabama? Right, of all places for it to happen, Alabama. I mean, you could be in, yeah, in Alabama, New Jersey, yeah. or you could be in you know some area that's just kind of more well known for being insane. But you know, places. Southern hospitality at its best. Yep. There we go. <laughs> so if our fans are not familiar with you, and why would they not be, introduce yourself. Um, well, I, I don't know. This is probably sound kind of vain, but I probably would call myself the, the most interesting wrestling you've never heard of. The most interesting wrestler you've never heard of. Um, I've been wrestling 15 years all over the planet. I had a WWE contract when I was 21, and that kind of snowballed into just a million opportunities outside the United States. And, and the, the cool thing is, like, I did a very, you know, very almost old-school take on how to you know, be a journeyman wrestler. I spent four years in England. I spent two years in Mexico. I've been back and forth in Japan, and now I'm back and forth to Mexico while doing the American independence. 
um, it's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm really, I'm at a very, very high level as far as, you know, uh, respect and who I work with and you know, what I'm able to do. But it's all kind of lacking the, the, uh, the, the internet buzz, if you will. Um, it seems like anymore there's five or six promotions that the internet is glued to. And unless it happens there, nobody cares and nobody's looking to find out there. I, I kind of consider myself a fine wine. Now, those who know wine connoisseurs are all about Santa Claus. You know, the ones that really dig deep and like the international wrestling and you know, pay attention to what makes a good wrestler, that's cool. Um, it, it would be nice to be a little bit more recognized on some of the, the shows. But at the same time, some of these American independents have 150, 200 wrestlers dying to wrestle for them for free. You know, oh, I want to get my foot in the door. I need some exposure. So everybody's knocking the door when some of these opportunities come up for me. Uh, so I can't do that. I'm in Mexico City that day. Okay, well, yeah, I'm off that day. What's the pay? Oh, it's it's exposure pay. And it's, you know, 15 years in with the, the, the track record I have, a lot of that's just not possible for me. So uh, things are going great. I'm full-time right now with Lucha Libre Triple in Mexico. Uh, we have the big Triple Mania pay-per-view coming up. I'm down there. I fly back and forth to Pittsburgh every three to four weeks. So it's exhausting. Um, I think post-pandemic, I might be the busiest wrestler in the, in the world that's not, uh, you know, not currently signed somewhere. Um, a lot of guys still go to Japan, but a lot of the Japanese tours are three or four weeks. I don't think there's anybody on earth right now that's flying internationally as much as I am. You know, and it's back and forth on a regular basis. And I think there's a certain amount of value and stock to that. So um, I'm definitely proud of what I've accomplished. And um, I, I still believe, even though it's been 15 years in, um, the best is definitely to come. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, De- man, definitely. So um, I don't know if you want, want to talk about this, but the whole, the whole thing with uh, you turning heel in Mexico. With the, well, uh, I, I started the in heel in Mexico. Well, yeah. in, in Mexico, it's so I've always been a heel, and there, there's a market. I always tell young wrestlers there's a lot of opportunity out there beyond, you know, WWE, Game Changer Wrestling Impact. There's, there's ways to make wrestling work for you. To make a living as a wrestler, you need to find where the money is for you. You don't have to, you know, conform. You don't have to chase a contract to sign. Um, so all my opportunities kind of presented themselves to me and I had to make a decision whether I want them or not. So an opportunity came up to work in Mexico City. And the four years I spent in, in England, my role is the foreign villain. You know, it's, it's kind of simple if you think about it. Foreign villains have gotten over in every wrestling company all over the planet for the last hundred years. But, you know, we don't look at it as American wrestling fans. We don't look at it you know, through the eyes of someone else, but America is generally the biggest supervillain in the world. You know, for the rest of the world, we're the one with all the money that bully people into doing what we want them to do. So naturally, when you go to a you know different country, we're the heels. So you know, coming in, I feel the stereotypes. I'm tall. I'm, I'm loud. I'm obnoxious. Everything like that. In England, I was always a, a, a obnoxious American heel. My job is to come in and you know make people angry. And, and get my butt kicked or, or set up for next month, whatever we have to do, you know, I'm a, I'm a classic old school heel. And Mexico was no different. I came to town. I had to you know, learn their style, learn the, the Lucha Libre in Arena Mexico, which is 
lot more difficult than people realize. And I started off as a heel. I was main event on Friday night arena master show, and they really pushed me from the get go. Everything was going great, and I did a pay per view where I was the American representative in a world tournament. <clears throat> so I get that I wear tights like Rick Rude used to, and airbrush, and always update on whatever's contemporary. I ended up putting Donald Trump on my tights, just kind of like tongue in cheek. It was a joke, like, "Oh, that'd be funny." Yeah, that would, I hate that. And all of a sudden. Backstage before the show, every wrestler was just howling, and the boss was like, "Dude, that's awesome. That's funny. That's that's clever." And I kind of knew, like, "Huh, oh, that would be that big of a deal." And after that, everything started to fall into place. Where I said, "You know what? I used to come off the room with an American flag, and I always got good heat by moving into doing it at the right time, right place. What if I put Trump's face on a flag?" And it was like, it wasn't this contrived idea that everybody thinks it was, that I was like manipulating the system to be a big racist heel in Mexico. It was like tongue in cheek. And it got over so big, so fast, that within probably three weeks, the company knew that I was the, the top heel in the company. So that, you know, fast forward, that, that led to a, a hair versus hair mask with Blue Panther, which is the biggest you know, legend down there. And then a couple of months later, I did a hair versus hair match with Nero Cassis. So uh, my run, CNL, was a little bit over two years. But I mean, a, a loser fans will tell you that the the uh, value and the prestige of those matches. That if I never wrestled again in Mexico, that two years was almost a legendary run. Just having that that much you know power, people will talk about me forever for that. And that ultimately led to my. Uh, you know, experience level growing and being uh, invited to wrestle for AAA, which is a little bit bigger of a company and, and a little bit more widely known. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, your turn, Geek, my turn. Um, right. So, has it hit you yet with like the your success with AAA, or are you still like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this much with AAA right now? It's. I always say that in wrestling, everything kind of happens so slowly that you don't appreciate it till you look back. Um, to me, it's just, it's cool. I'm happy to be here. I love working at AAA. I love working with guys I get to work with. But it just happens so slowly. Is it like, you know, when I'm 21, I signed a WWE contract. So I, I kind of started at the higher end of, of, of a wrestling career. And then every cool opportunity that has happened to me since, at the time, is like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. But then you add another one, and then you add another one, and then you add another one. And you look 15 years back, and you're like, holy cow, I've done everything that, you know, Childhood Sam ever wanted to do. Um, a lot of people know that I was, you know, my dad was a promoter, my brother was a wrestler. So I grew up around the wrestling business. And as a kid, I mean, 10 years old, I didn't care about The Rock and Austin and Triple H. I was watching Lucha tapes and Japanese wrestling tapes, and I wanted to be high Lucha. I wanted to do, do death matches with Anita and all I cared about was always, you know, foreign wrestlers. And now, at, you know, 33 years old, I've done all that. Um, and it's really, it's, it's awesome to look back at. But, you know, during the time now, you know, I think you have to have a certain sense of confidence as a performer. If you get too excited, you'll you'll just sink in a quicksand. You know, you, you'll just, you have to know what you're good at and, and know that that audience is there to see you. And now at AAA, you know, I'm going to the top spot. We were the trios champions. Now, you know, Triple Mania's coming up. I got some really good stuff coming up. You know, that's a good 
plans in the work and I just I know this is where I'm supposed to be right now and you know ultimately I think it'll it'll lead to much brighter pastures because it's you know actually it's almost like you know, baseball you, you just go start in college and then you move up to single A double A triple A when you hit enough home runs you end up at the Yankees you know and I kind of feel like you know nobody else is doing it my way a lot of people will say why don't you start with AW why don't you start with WWE and it's like yeah I kind of I just see it differently. I, I want to be valued and respected and invited to play at these places and, and, you know, be me instead of, oh, yeah, he's good enough. Let's give him a job. We'll change his name. He can do this character. You know, it's like it, it's the, the, the norms of how to be a wrestling star have changed so much. I'm a little bit more old school in my approach. It's like, it's like the indies today are really white hot because now you have IWTV, you have all these streaming services, so somebody could look up somebody and be like, wow, I want to look up this guy, and they start talking. They don't even need to like uh, ask for a tape or nothing. Just go on their YouTube page, and they'll see like clips or Instagram, and you have TikTok and everything like that. So you, it's really simple just to look up wrestlers now today. Well, a lot of a lot of the American independence, though, you know, it's a, l- a little bit more of a, uh, a facade, if you will, because so many of them have their presence and have their reputation, but very few of them are actually making money. You know, the rest of the term wrestling business is an oxymoron. It's, uh, the, you know, the the wrestling culture is probably even more more you know apt of a name because people want the attention and what did you hear what this company did? Oh my God, you know this company did. But the fact that the wrestlers have to take pay cuts to be on their shows, they can't keep their budget. They can't pay everybody at their value in order to put these shows on. You know, to me, they're they're not really. That's not the wrestling business. Um, it, you can find these. There's, there's 30 companies in the United States that have buzz per se, but and you know, if you're looking for them, they're constantly trying to find you know wrestlers to put out there. But there's almost a, another unseen level of. of you know, professionalism up top that nobody really gives any credit or validity to. There's guys that make a lot of money. You know, they, uh, guys like Carlito and Chris Masters wrestle five nights a week, you know, at, at $1,500 a pop. And these are the guys that, you know, you think, oh, the wrestling business is, is young and hot and hip and trying to get WV. Or to me, the wrestling business is making as much money as you can, and you can make more money out of WV than you can at WV. But you know, a lot of there are so many, uh, so many norms that have just become the way they are. That people don't even think of the outside, you know, the big picture. Uh, I think our job as wrestlers is to get people to watch wrestling and you know, get people involved. And so much of the current wrestling market and climate is just in the box. And every wrestling fan from this company watches this company and knows this guy and this guy. Twitter, re- Twitter wrestling fans are you know, there's only so many of them, and they all know and love the same people. Where are the people that you know, go out and find them? You know, I, I as a performer, and, and a lot of wrestlers can go to a show and they can see a guy in the second match that nobody knows, nobody cares about on the internet. I can say, that's the guy right there. He's the one. He's the one that's going to make money. He's the one that's a star. And that's, you know, this kind of ties into why so many wrestling fans, they say, why did WWE hire that guy? Why did AEW hire that guy? Because there's a lot more going into it than just being. You know, athletic and agile on your favorite IWTV wrestling program. Yeah. yeah, totally, 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 totally. You're right, Sam. Totally. Yeah. It's like there's people right now that fight over like, oh, 
AEW is better than WWE, but like me and Geek, we thought we like both. Geek like AEW more than I like. I'm more like old school, so I'm like WWE. But like right I now, both, me, I like both. I do like both. I focus a lot more on the indie scene and yeah. AAA because I grew up with my grandfather being a masked wrestler, and I'm like, wow, AAA. And I brought my friend that just watched WWF. I got him every Sunday morning to watch AAA with me. Right, Even right, right. He didn't yeah. speak a little Spanish, and we was watching all the action. He would be watching the action, do the wow, awesome. Yeah. And then he, I, he's my white friend. He would go, what, what is, what is. <laughs> yeah, you needed to do And I'm like, I don't speak Spanish either. I'm just watching it like you. <laughs> right, right, right. You got, I think, you know, personally, you got to find the, the lowest common denominator. You know, and people look at the, the Rocks and the Austins, and they don't really, you know, and, and Pipers, people all want their career to be the biggest, famous, best wrestler ever, but they're not understanding what made them the best wrestler ever. They didn't do the coolest moves. It wasn't just their 20 promos. There was a thousand assets that made them, you know, their believability, their anger, their frustration, their, their point. A lot of people cut promos now just to be funny. And they're trying to get as many jokes in in two minutes as they can just to make people laugh. And that might make them laugh. But unless you have a real valid point, it's just talking. That's why the Attitude Era got so hot. Because it was the first time revolutionary everybody on earth can relate to, I hate my boss too. This dude is finally standing up for us. He's the one. Austin actually hates his boss. He's going to do something about it. I, I love this shit. <laughs> Nobody that's sees definitely. that wrestling fan. Wrestlers, more wrestlers are, are more blind to the point than most wrestling fans. You know, the, the, a lot of the wrestlers are so just consumed with here and now. Do it this way because this is the way it is. Let's get as many Twitter followers as we can, and let's sign a, a wrestling contract. And then eight months later, they learn the truth, and they say, "This is the one I love about wrestling." You know, and they want out of their contract. They, it's 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 just a, a crazy world. Um, I still love it. I just kind of do my best to stay uh, away from a lot of that. Um, I have, I've always kept myself at a high quality of independent shows. In the USA, I, I don't do many. Warrior Wrestling in Chicago has been my staple. Other than that, I mostly do lucha shows in the United States, you know, the, the Mexican promoted ones that, you know, feature AAA guys. But um, I think there's, there's a certain amount of, value in keeping your distance from the current independent wrestling scene because a lot of the times the pros look at the independence a certain way and when independent guy gets to wwe with all their independent habits and their independent beliefs it's not necessarily a good thing so you know if they give you, you know, hold yourself a high respect and try to look the run rings what would he respect what does he like that's my ultimate goal and it, it's as simple as saying you dress for the job you want, not for the one you have. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, I'm in that, so yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Also, to go back to the Donald Trump thing, um, sorry to sorry to go back to it, but what was no? Going let's, go back. Yeah, let's go back. Let's go back. Honestly, I did. Not, it's not until now that I look back in hindsight that I realize how dangerous it was, and like now I was a twenty-something twenty. Six-year-old single man in Mexico City. You know, I was living life to the fullest, on the edge, having fun. I didn't care about consequences. I just there, 
screw it. I got my friends here. We're fine. Security's not going to let anything happen. Didn't think twice about it. Now that I'm a little bit older and I'm back and forth from Mexico and I have my personal life and my puppy dog at home, and I'm like, what if something happens? You, know, you really start putting things into perspective. So um, it was cool at the time. You know, it worked. People were hot. The nice thing is, though, you know, that you could always, I, I was always able to really kind the line between almost starting a riot in my tights and then being the most respectful, nice man you'll meet ever outside the ring. You know, I speak Spanish. I'm fluent in Spanish, and I learned all down there. And I made sure everybody knew as I'm walking the ring, I'm like, hey, thank you for coming to the show. Don't kill me. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so yeah right that, I, I, I thought that was absolutely awesome though to, great way to get heel heat by the way and <laughs> and and by the way cnn picked it up and uh and uh vice picked it up as well which is absolutely it awesome, was everywhere. I, vice reuters bloomberg i mean i think in 2017 i probably had more individual press than anybody in wrestling including wwe I mean, individual wow. press. I'm not talking about the company. I'm not talking about the angle. I mean, one person that got across my platforms. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. it was cool. I just I hope it's not my 15 minutes of fame. I think that's just was a prelude to what's coming next. I don't think it is. I think no. you, you seem like what I've watched of you, it seems like you're going to have, you, you've already, you're having your moments. You know what I mean? Right now, you, you're you going to have more moments because you're awesome. Well, I appreciate the compliment, but the thing is, like, again, me coming from an old school mentality, wrestlers do not get good until they're 10 to 12 to 15 years into their career. I, you know, every wrestler always thinks they're good. They always, I'm kind of good. Well, I'm only two years in, but I'm good. I look at myself now, you know, 15 years in, I look at five year insane, and I'm like, he was a cocky prick that knew nothing, you know, and, that, and that's coming from the volume of work I've had. You know, at that point, I was always, I was well ahead of a lot of people for experience level. But, like, you know, people, there's this general thing that, you know, wrestling's a young man's game. It's not. You know, wrestling, you get your Randy Savages, Ric Flair's, Shawn Michaels, Rocks, um, Stone Cold, all these guys, their main run comes past the year, past 35 years. And this is also in an era when these guys were, you know, coming from territories where they wrestled six nights a week. So if, if you're saying that Randy Savage is at his best after eight years wrestling 300 matches a year, you know, that's after 2,400 matches in a career. How long does it take a, a modern independent wrestler to get 24 matches? Now, at this pace and calculation, they're never going to have 2,400 matches. So don't tell me that 26-year-old XYZ is a great young wrestler and he's at his prime, he's at his best. He doesn't even know what his prime is until you're well into that that you know run. So uh, exactly. you know, I think it's all about just putting the work in and waiting to be patient. I've turned down multiple offers in the last couple of years because I know better. You know, we're we're at the era where everybody wants to sign a piece of paper and say, This guy signed this, uh this guy signed with this company and they're proud to announce it. And then six months later they want their contract. Because they don't read a contract. They wanna watch, you know, they just want the graphic graphic that they can put on their social media i signed somewhere meanwhile signing isn't anything you have to put the work in and just be ready and it'll come to you just like any walk of life and just put the work in put the work in and be patient oh yeah so is there any have you ever thought about coming to the east coast or uh i, I live in, in pittsburgh i'm always in the well 
I can't say I'm, I'm I can't say I'm coming to these guys. It's all amount of dates, you know. I got my dates are prioritized to play, and then the other dates that come through. Um, and again, it's a lot of times it's uh, it's a matter of pricing. You know, someone could call me and say, "Hey, we have a date on this day," and I can say, "Well, I need this, and this is what I get." And it's, "Oh, well, can you do this? And well, can you drive instead of flying?" I put too much work. I don't want to be learning that bad, you know, to, to just get some internet clout, um, you know. So I, I talk with at NYWC in New York. Uh, I'll be there eventually. They're friends of mine. Um, there's a lot of lucha shows. I was doing a lot of lucha shows in New York before the uh, pandemic. I'm sure they'll come back at some point. But uh, yeah, I will be there. Just don't know when. Um, yeah, and as it comes, you know, it's uh, I think that's kind of half the fun for me. I just kind of let it unfold as it should. This geek live geeks lives on Long Island, so NYWC is that's yeah, geeks home. That's perfect, perfect. I was I was there before. Bull James oh, really? is a good friend of mine, so I always wrestled yeah. with him. And, um, they hooked me up with Shane, who's a promoter, and I just love the guys. So I, I'll be there eventually when the time is right, you know. And uh, I do. I love the city. I love getting up there. My whole life, I've been traveling up there. My dad had a lot of business in New York when I was a kid, so I would get in the car with him and be his roadmap back when we actually had MapQuest instead of GPSs. So I say, hey, make a turn up here on 6. So I know that city quite well, and I love it, and I miss it. But, um, you know, right now, it's it's weird because wrestling is so different, in my opinion, the longer you're a part of it. You know, the more you do it, the more it becomes a job and it becomes your normal everyday life. I say about, you know, General Sam wanted to be the world champion all over the world, you know, and, and, and just live this dream. Now you have to take into consideration just all these flights and connections and and the amount of lack of sleep that you get and carrying a belt in your carry-on and, you know, having to be the last one at the building because you're the main event. You know, there's things that you never in a million years think about. You know, in Mexico, there's some times we wrestle in the main event at 1230 at night. I'm out of the ring at 1.30, you know, and then I have to get shower and get a six-hour bus home, you know. Or if I was the opening card guy, I could have fun. Maybe it's less money, but I'm done at 7.30, you get to go out, hang out with everybody, and, you know, you have to prioritize what you want. Um, you know, I, I think very few people look at wrestling as business. It really is business. And, you know, just like any business, the more you want out of it, the more you have to put in. And people think, oh, this guy's lucky. This guy did this. He's lucky. Nobody's lucky. Everybody worked harder than he did, period. You know, and you think, oh, if I had Roman's push, no. Roman Reign worked harder than you, period. John Cena worked harder than you, period. He slept for three hours a night for 15 years and, and did make wish at 6 a.m. and did, you know, press at 7 a.m. and did two hours in the gym before that. You, you know, so it's it's something that, that's it's lifestyle choice and you know, I I personally see there being a bit of a, a tapering off of the Indies eventually. You know, there's so much personal gratification where everyone thinks we all can do it, we're all doing well, we're all stars, we're all gonna make it. No, I'm not gonna make it. And eventually people are gonna get bored and says, you know what? Hmm, I never made it. And it's gonna fall off, you know. So it's 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 a fad, it's fashionable, it's cool, there's a cool subculture to it, but to actually, you know, Make your life as a professional wrestler. It's, it's a whole different beast. Hi, Mama Shorty, by the way. We have a fan that's in the chat that's from uh, England. And we know. Oh, hey, I lived in England. Nancy, I lived in the UK for four years. I lived in Liverpool. 
It's her daughter actually wrestles in a promotion in England called uh, Coventry Pro Wrestling. I don't know if you ever heard of Coventry. I've never, I've wrestled in Coventry. I've never went to, to Coventry Pro Wrestling. I lived in a company, I worked for a company called All Star Pro Wrestling, which is Brian Dixon's company. And that's where like yeah. William Regal, Robbie Brookside, Finley, uh, yeah. Marty Jones, all the like British, like, really famous guys came from. There was joint promotions, which was with my big daddy, but All Star was the other promotion, and they both should be yeah, yeah, we we've had somebody from All Star Pro Wrestling on our podcast, right, Joe? I think we did. We, right, with us uh, as we're being we're internationally known, Sam, and like who's from All Star? What's, what's what? that? Who's, who's from All Star? Because All Star Pro Wrestling is a very general term. I forget. Yeah. Now we're gonna have to research back, Geek, and we'll have to uh, message. What's what's this? What, what, what? Sorry, Sorry Sam. All Star Wrestling is uh, is actually it's, I'm, I'm sure it's probably different than All Star Pro Wrestling. All Star yeah. Wrestling is, is uh, I don't know you have to tell me who it was, but I know there's a lot of All Star Wrestlings all over the world. And All Star, like if, if they work for my All Star, I probably know who they are. That was the busiest and oldest touring company in the United Kingdom. We had like 150 million a year. Wow. None of it was really online. So uh, as like James Mason, Frankie Sloan. It was it was it was recently too. It was recently too. It was a recent right? interview too. It was a recent well, you, can, you can reach back out. Nathan, I mean, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan Cruz. Nathan Cruz. Nathan Cruz. I, I, I've known Nathan Cruz for years, yes. He's, he's, he's known awesome. him a long, long time. Good guy. He actually guy. was in the States while we did the interview with him. And he's like, I'm glad you guys got me when I was here. And yeah, we didn't have to look I, at the time. I haven't <laughs> seen him in years, but I've wrestled him. I know him a lot. Yeah. So, good guy. Um, one of my last questions for you is. So, have you ever got any advice from any of the older people from AAA wrestling, and what was what was that advice? Um, I don't know. If older, I don't know if they really give advice there. It's kind of like it's kind of fend for yourself, and it, it's really like you know, you can get advice, but it doesn't come in the form of advice. Usually, you kind of have to figure it out on your own. You know, to me, advice now comes while you're you know at a bar and someone's telling you a story and you're like uh-huh, that kind of happened to me and you, you kind of have to figure it out on your own um i've been really lucky because well, i don't again i hate the word luck so it's kind of happened because the way I, I put it in there i love old school wrestling i love the way the wrestling business was the, the 30s through the 90s and the early 2000s and the way it used to be now wrestling changes in so many different directions and it's sped up and people are just trying to do things a certain way because everyone else is doing it instead of what's right. I've always kind of stuck to the, the core values and been you know, the old school pro. And that's almost what's helped me succeed and, and do well. Because at the end of the day, the top dogs all over the world, the top stars are the ones that you know kind of influence the promoter. And say, hey, I don't like working with that guy. I do like working with that guy. You know, and when these guys that wrestled in the 90s are still the top champions here, and then I'm some new American kid come up, they're going to say, oh, what the hell? Who is this guy? Why do I have to wrestle? What's he going to do? When I have matches with them, a lot of times it's, oh, hmm. Hey, that was a good match. Let's let's do that match next week. And that, that old school mentality of thinking of the past and the way it used to be is what I have that's ultimately helped me. And I think that's made me succeed in Mexico because a lot of the old wrestlers know this dude is different than all the other Americans right now. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, 
Is there anybody that left that you would love to face, or uh, it's a dream? Uh, most of my heroes that I want to wrestle are um, are done. You know, everybody that I really cared to wrestle has retired. Um, there's guys out there that I'd like to have high profile matches with. Um, I'd like to wrestle just like you know, Osprey. I'd like to wrestle with Osprey's FDR. Um, most of the guys that I want to wrestle with more or less would be you know, WWE guys and, and certain top of Moxley, Jericho, you know, just the guys that, that I, I know what I can do with them. Um, but again, a lot of times I think about it, I, to me, a match is just a match. You know, to me, working involves so much more than that. And you just say, I'll let me wrestle them. There's really no payoff to that. But when you say, hey, you're going to be having a six-month TV program with Jericho, oh, that's when I'm going to learn. That's when you're going to take it down and say, well, we can't do this this week because that's going to happen here in six weeks. So do this. And then that's where you really learn. It's not necessarily about having a match with and working with. They're almost two entirely different entities. So it's like basically all about working the story, basically, right? Is what you're trying yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. Just working. Just, yeah, right. Just learning and learn and be back. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um so Sam, do you have any uh, upcoming shows or? Uh... Um, yes, I'll be in this week in Las Vegas. I'll be today at four o'clock, and then next Saturday will be our next Sunday is Guadalajara Mexico for AAA TV, and then two Saturdays after that is AAA um, Mania, which is the biggest. That's you know clearly the WrestleMania of Lucha Libre. Arena Ciudad in Mexico in front of approximately 19,000 people. I will have uh, my matches myself, Brian Cage and John Morrison against Psycho Clown, Bandito, and Laredo Kid against the Lever Generation Dinamitas in a three versus three versus three match for the Mexican Trios the World Trios Championship. So that's going to be a pretty wild match. Pretty uh, a lot of crazy stuff going on there, but anytime you're in front of that many people, your adrenaline is so high that you're definitely willing to pull out the stops. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Do you have any um social medias that people could follow you on or? Yeah, just find me real Sam Adonis on all platforms. I say all platforms, but it's really just Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So I haven't figured out the TikTok yet, but I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate it. appreciate everybody that does support me. I'm I, I'm kind of polarizing. You either love me or hate me, and there's really not many that people that hate me right now. It's just you gotta find me if that makes sense. So uh, yeah, check me out. Come follow me on Instagram. Follow me on on social media, and uh, hopefully you can meet some of you around the world sometime soon. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. We just we want to thank you so much for coming, and we know we know how busy you are this whole week. You're man. a busy man. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. No, no problem. No problem. I'm Joe Pev the third. I'm the Metal Geek. I'm Sam Adonis. And we will catch you in the next one.